Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Cashflow Equals Accounting. This is your host, George Aguilar, and today we have Wendy. Wendy is a real estate investor from, from Long Island, New York, and runs Home Planet Solutions along with her husband. Wendy, welcome to the show. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing today? So, Wendy, today we want to talk about your real estate investing journey and story. So how about we start with how did you get started in real estate investing? Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> it's actually a very funny, interesting uh, start. Uh, back in 2015, I don't know if anyone can relate to this. I have been doing a lot of searches on Zillow, um, <laughs> basically in my neighborhood. And somehow Zillow and other um, real estate programs started following me, quote, quote, following me on my Facebook social media. And um, I guess because I'm always on the real estate website, so they started following me. And I saw, oh, there's a two-day seminar, two-day free seminar in your local area. Um, why don't you join and see, you know, what it's like? I said, okay, uh, Sorry, two hour, not two day. Okay, two hour of my day. That's not bad. And it's free. So I said to my husband, I said, oh, uh, let's go to this one. It's only two hours, you know, time of our day. Uh, let's, you know, take a look at it. So the rest is history. Fast forward, we have become um, uh, the owner of Home Planet Solution into real estate investing, and that's how it all started back in 2016. So before you were doing real estate investing, what were you doing, or are you currently still doing something besides, or is real estate investing your side hustle? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Both my husband and I, we still are working at our uh, corporate job uh, full-time, and real estate investing is currently our side hustle. So, yeah, we're still working full-time plus this real estate uh, investing on the side. So I kind of want to go a little bit into, you know, the thought process. How, sure. how did you make that decision from having a corporate job to say, you know, we need to do something else, right? Because many sure. people will just keep their corporate job and, and never try to find that side hustle. So how did that come about? Sure, sure. Great question. Um, so... It goes back to a long time of our upbringing, how we were raised. We, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this as well, uh, were brought up, say, uh, by you know, our parents um, saying that, okay, study hard, get a college degree, get a nice job, get a nice corporate job, climb that corporate ladder and have a good life. So my husband and I, we did that. Uh, we studied, we got a corporate job, a very, uh, uh, very, you know, satis satisfy uh, life, mm -hmm. like lifestyle. And, but we realized it's not enough when we were trying to figure out our financial for, you know, our children who is right now 10 and seven. I mean, we're comfortable, but there's nothing. We cannot, we're not going to be wealthy. We're not going to leave a legacy. So that's when we thought, okay, it's not enough. 
just climbing that corporate ladder, it's not enough. It's not going to bring us to the next level. So that's why we, you know, started um, risk investing and just happened. So at that time, we saw this seminar that came through and we were like, okay, let's do this together and let's, you know, have a change and uh, see where that leads leads us to. Yeah. I mean, great. You know, I guess many people never, you know, like you said, you know, they're comfortable and never make that move. But uh, it sounds to you like, you know, your legacy was something very important to you that you really wanted to do for your kids and your family. So yes, I think that's really absolutely. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So now- and, and that also, that financial freedom, because when you're working on a job, you're still working on that job and you're yeah. tied up to, you're tied up to your life. So we want to have that financial freedom where we can, you know, spend more time with the family uh, and, you know, go on vacation without having to worry about, okay, I'm going to take two weeks off or a week off from work, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So now tell me what, how did you prepare yourself in terms of training or education for you mm-hmm. before you started real estate investing? Was there anything you did? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And education, especially in the real estate, because this is the business we're in right now, it's ongoing. Um, It's nonstop because there's something new that you can learn every single day, every single moment. So what my husband and I do is we do something called the time blocking. I'm not sure if you ever heard of time blocking. So we basically, yeah, so we basically pull out a Google calendar and just block our uh, time for that week and we allocate studying time for ourselves so let's say for this week there are seven days we allocate maybe three to five hours for studying so roughly 45 to one hour a day or less so during that time we would be um, looking at uh, webinars uh, recordings that is the business business related um, so this is how we are preparing for our training and education. Okay. So tell us, tell us about your first deal that you did. Um, oh, okay. Specifically, what was challenging, what went according to plan, and what uh-huh. didn't go according uh-huh. to plan. Okay, sure, sure. Um, well, f- first project was a rehab project. That's my baby. <laughs> I will never forget that. So first of all, we got this deal through a wholesaler in the local area. So it was very quick. The, the deal was presented to us. We went to the property, I think the very next day and in the morning and in the afternoon, boom, my offer was out. There was some back and forth with the negotiation and we finally got the project. And that was our first, um, what went according to plan? So we it was an eight it was a nineteen oh five house, which is pretty old, in um, pretty old in the neighborhood in the standards. So there are a lot. Of, I think I remember during the demolition demolition we had to tear down three layers of walls. Oh man, three layers of walls. Um, yeah, that was tough. But on the positive side, we gained more square footage, a little bit of more square footage. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Also, it was a, it was a tidy house. So we went aggressive and did um, additional, we added square footage to the house. So for our first project, it was very aggressive, but we felt like we needed it to bring up the after repair value. So we did that. What did not go according to plan was because it was our first and we were not familiar with the town and the village. The permitting time and the inspection, the whole process took longer than we anticipated. So that did not go, I think it went almost two months over our, our um, anticipated time mm-hmm. with the approval process, yeah. Well, so now kind of rubbing off that question, yes. how much do you look at markets now when you buy, you know, when you're buying rehabs or you're buying properties? Yeah, that's great. That's a great, great question. So right now, um, my husband on the team, he runs all the reports uh, for the business. Um, whenever we tap into a town, a zip code, he would be running the report and then we'll be reviewing um, several items. The median price point for that zip code, mm-hmm. the, average, the average number days on market in that um, price point, in that median price point range. For, for instance, in that sweet spot selling price within that uh, price range in that zip code, what are the number of days of market? We look at that very carefully because we want to make sure that our, once we renovated the home, when we put it on the market, we want to make sure we are attracting enough buyers um, to buy, to come and see and eventually purchase that house within the shortest period of time. So we look at those data very, very carefully. Wow, I mean, that, that's a real insight into how to do real estate investing, especially for the people listening, right? Yes. Um, that kind of detail, I think when it comes to real estate, from talking to other real estate investors is the details that make a difference, right? Yes, yes. And I, a lot of people, when we speak about real estate, they get emotional attached, um, maybe because of all these shows that's happening on TV, people get very emotional attached to real estate. But the way we run our business is everything is very data driven. We look at our numbers, our data. We trust that basically. We trust that 100%. So you don't make any emotional decisions, right? You have criteria that must be met before you purchase a deal, correct? Exactly, exactly, correct. Now, ha- have you approached or tried to get uh, investors into your deals? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so can you tell us a little bit how you got you know, your first investor into your deal? Sure, sure. So our first investor, um, we call our, our private lender, is a family member. We, since we started the company, we've been telling our friends and family you know, what we're doing, what we've been doing, educating ourselves, um, how they can also come on broad and invest along with us and learn about the business as well. 
And the easiest ways to go is to start with your family or friends because they're the closest people to you. So uh, this is how we got our first investor, a family member. And now, was there anything that you showed them in terms of, you know, financially to, to convince them that, you know, that these deals were profitable or how did you show them that, you know, this was a good investment for their money? Sure, sure. So first of all, I, I don't convince people to invest with us, to lend with us. We basically just tell them um, the project itself. Okay. Um, we create, we create a packet called our investor credibility packet. It's a very thorough, I believe, like a 25 pages packet that shows our company history, who we are, our buying criteria, because I think that is very important for real estate investing. You mm -hmm. make the profit when you buy the property. So our buying criteria is very important and how we use our system to evaluate whether this is a good deal or not a good deal. And also educating our investor along the way how they can use whether it's their money or their line of credit to invest with us. So it's a very thorough credibility packet alongside if the investor is interested to come see the property, we will, we will lead them. We will give them a tour of the property um, explaining to them as, uh, as well. Okay. Now like a 25 K pack, it sounds like you guys are yeah. very prepared. You know, just out of curiosity, what is the investor's reaction when you show them this, you know, the professionalism in, that you're serious about it? What is their reaction? Most of, most of the time, uh, we have shown this packet uh, a lot of times. Most of them, they're very impressed because it looks professional and the content inside, it's very, it's well-written and professional as well. But I would say probably 95 percent 90 to 95 percent of people would not even read the detailed uh, information inside the packet really yeah i would say so yeah um i mean we are out there to we are basically presenting ourselves exactly we are presenting ourselves so if they see that we are well presented uh we are representing ourselves and we are truly who we are and what we say we are they are willing to invest alongside with you. This is how we feel. Yeah, I mean, they, they see that you guys are prepared. Yes. So the, the numbers yes. are just, you know, a bonus for them, right? Yes, yes. So now, what would be your advice, you know, to someone starting in this industry trying to get their first deal from your experience? Oh, yeah. I, I get this question a lot um, for new investors. Uh, my number one thing is just, keep going out, keep networking. Because real estate is a product, but you're really, like I said before, you're really selling yourself. Real estate is the product. So keep networking, keep talking to people, keep telling people what you've been doing, what you are doing and what you're looking to do. And you never know, you never know what kind of people you will bump into. And 
keep networking with a purpose as well. Don't just network for no reason and you're wasting, you know, an hour of your time with nothing gained. You know, have an agenda. What I'm meeting this group of people tonight for an hour. What do I want to gain out of it? Do I want to know who are the wholesalers in this event? Do I want to know who are the contractors in this event? So go out and network with a purpose. Wow, I think that that's that's very sound and great advice, Wendy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I think it helps people to know because I think most of the time uh, people will start going to networking events, but like you said, have no intention or not even know what's the real purpose behind going to those networking yes. events. And yes. they end up at the end of the day, you know, spending two, three hours and they come out with nothing because they never set an intention. Exactly, exactly. And just a little um, tip, when you go to never networking events, don't spend too much time with one person, you know, talk to that person for a few minutes, introduce yourself, do your elevator pitch, um, exchange contact information and follow up with them. Go more in depth when, you know, afterwards, set up an appointment or call, even a call afterwards in a week or so, and just get, go more in depth with, uh, with your conversation with them. Oh, that's a great tip. I think I might start using that myself too. Great. Thank you. So right now we're going to focus a little bit more on the financial side of the business because sure. I think a lot of the times when real estate investors, they, they like to talk about what you see on HGTV, right? The rehabs, the flip, but yeah. we want to get a little behind the scene of how, what goes behind the scene financially when you go into these deals. So Absolutely. Talk about it, like kind of like the process when you go and assess a property to potentially buy it to rehab. Okay. It. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my initial review of let okay, um, I'll give you a scenario. Let's say my realtor give me this property, giving me mm -hmm. the asking price, pictures of the property, and all this information. Um, we have my company has a, a spreadsheet from an Excel spreadsheet called my deal analyzer. is It is a very very comprehensive spreadsheet that once I input three major numbers in it, it will automatically calculate it. It's all formulated. It will automatically calculate my ROI, return mm -hmm. of investment, percentage, and figure-wise. So what I mean by very comprehensive is, I'll give you a number example. Let's mm -hmm. say if I'm telling someone, okay, I'm purchasing this property, for $50,000, I need to spend $20,000 on renovation. And when I finish it, I'm already, I'm 70,000 in the deal. And when I finish it, I will sell this house for $100,000. And some people, I get a lot of people or even professionals like realtors, they will say, oh, you make $30,000. I'm like, no because there are a lot of other factors and numbers that I need to calculate into my deal. For example, my transaction costs, my attorney costs, my financial costs, the money, the money that I'm borrowing from my investor, I need to pay them interest. So those uh, property tax, the six months that I own the property, I'm responsible for property tax, for utilities, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. 
So all those small numbers, it's calculated into this deal analyzer. So it's very comprehensive. Once I plug the three major numbers in, it will show us if this if my offering price is a deal or not a deal. Okay. So you know you talked about you know finding all these costs and whether this is a deal or no deal. So now mm -hmm. when you do decide to buy a property and once you buy the property and start rehabbing it, how yes. do you manage the cost? Because okay. it can very easily get out of hand. You know, I'm assuming if you're not keeping track of everything, right? Absolutely. And that's a very great question. And this is how um, a lot of times investors go over budget is because of not keeping track of the expenses, right? Um, so before we even started a project, we have, uh, it, it's another big spreadsheet. We call it the scope of work. Mm -hmm. It's a scope of work for us and for our contractor and for us to keep track of our expenses. So everything, it's very, it's, it doesn't have to be 100% accurate. It's just a figure that we, it's like a figure placeholder that we put it in. So every week, so this is how we work. When a contractor works with us, they are following this scope of work with everything that's detailed of where goes, what goes where and how much are they charging us for this project, uh, for this work they're doing. And at the end of every single week, when the contractor gets paid, we will go back to this chart, to this spreadsheet and monitor our expenses. Now it could go over, it could go less, but at least this chart, this um, keeps us on track of what our budget is like. Well, if, and now if you ask me, have I ever go over budget? Of course, obviously, <laughs> yes, yeah. but it's within our control. It wasn't something that was uh, unexpected. It was still within our control. And now how often are you looking at your budgets or your spending uh, in order to keep track of all this information? <laughs> as much as I would hope, <laughs> hope to. <laughs> um, I mean, um, what we do, okay, so my husband does all the number side himself, and mm -hmm. I believe he at least looks at them, if not weekly, bi-weekly to, okay. to keep track, to keep track on uh, the expenses, yeah. Okay, sounds fair. Now, I want to talk a little bit about mindset because I think oh, yes. it's something that is that is spoken about. But yes. I think most of the time, whether it's in real estate or or in business in general, you know, when, yes. when you follow that path, you know, there's days that you're not in the mood or you know things aren't yes. going so well. So so yes. how do you manage that mindset stuff? I'm glad that um, you asked that because I'm a big mindset person, and this is something that I have just developed for myself um, since I got into real estate investing. So I would say <laughs> real estate investing not only helped me rehab houses, but it rehabbed me as well. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm currently reading this book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. He is a retired Navy SEAL and he's a, he has run 
he has ran like multiples, I think 60, more than 60 times of ultra marathon, the wow. bad water challenge. It's like, he's the ultra, ultra, um, what do you call it? Like a, not even an Iron Man, but it's like beyond that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he had a very interesting rules. He called it the 40% rule. It's called the 40% rule. Um, it really enlightened me because, uh, Let's use physical fitness as, as, as an example, because I think we can relate okay. to that. Let's say, you know, today I'm only able to do 10 push-ups, And my whole body, my shoulder, my arms are hurting, hurting as hell. And he mentioned that when your brain tells you that you're hurting, it is actually the 40% of your capacity you have only reached the 40% of your capacity you are actually capable of an other 60% of what you can do so if you can just let's say today do the 10 and you're hurting tomorrow do another two do another five and by the end of this week you may be able to reach 18 to 20 so even though it hurts even though it sucks keep pushing the few, the one or two, keep pushing it a little bit more every single day. And I found that very fascinating. Um, I mean, physical wise and for the business wise, for business wise, not everything is rainbow and flowers. Otherwise everything will, everyone will be jumping into this business. We Mm -hmm. We have our bad days, absolutely when our contractor delivers bad news, when we're almost at the closing table and something happened, which it certainly did happen bad, but we just kind of like suck it in, took a deep breath and say, okay, now what? Let's, let's do this. What's our objective? What's our end goal? Okay, the end goal is to close this property today. What can I do to make it close today? Just focus on the end goal. Everything else in between is just a, it's a process. Oh, great advice, Wendy. I really like that 40%. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have a chance, feel... get, yeah. If you have a chance, really get that book because I'm it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's great because I, I, I can see how that even applies, you know, to myself, right? Where, you know, when I work out and then I, you know, yeah. I think I'm exhausted and tired, you, yeah. you know, definitely the mental part gives yes. up before the body does. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So many times we want to quit. So many times your brain tells you, okay, you're tired. Okay, this is the best that you can do. Just stop. But if you can t- overcome that voice, I think you can, you know, do so much better, more capable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. So, Wendy, the way I like to win the podcast is with a few rapid fire questions. So sure. people can, can get to know more about you. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, so, so you talked about what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life and why? You kind of touched oh. upon it. I'm yeah, sure I did. I did. One in mind. I did. And I, w- I would like to stick to uh, what I recommended, the Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. It's a fairly new book. And I recommend everyone listening to this, getting this, get to get this book. And I also heard from a friend that the audio version is very good as well. So if you have a chance, um, also listen to the audio book. Okay. What purchase of $100 or less 
has most positively impacted your life? This is a very interesting question,、um, and I'm not I'm not going to say the one single item, but I want to tell you the concept in general, what、mm-hmm. has possibly possibly impacted me. So when I first started Home Planet Solutions, my company,、um, mm-hmm. we were setting up、uh, we were setting up a company doing business cards. We have to come up with a name, with the logos, and whatnot. And I'm a creative person, and I love doing this. Oh wow, doing logos, perfect. But I'm thinking to myself, in order for me to sit here thinking about logo, designing, editing, revising, how long is how long is it going to take me? Maybe five hours, maybe six hours or longer. I don't know. So through talking to people, through networking. I found out that I can actually hire somebody for five dollars to design my logo. For five dollars,、yeah. I have my logo. I just need to communicate with that person. Spend maybe an hour of my time communicating with that person. Communicate、uh, with that person clearly, the designer very clearly. Spend my five dollars, and boom! Within five hours, I have my logo sitting in my inbox, in my mailbox. So. It's a less than one hundred dollars purchase.、Um, I, I mean, it, the logo itself—it's not positively impacted, but the concept itself impacted me in the sense that a lot of things, and a lot of things, we can spend a little money and outsource it. I don't have to spend hours and hours of my time here, and and you know, doing something that I could easily pay. Somebody else to do it. Yeah, it's a leverage, basically. It basically is a leverage. My, my, our time. I mean, a lot of people say time is money, but actually, time is everything. So if I'm, I'm here because a logo for itself, it's not, it's not the most important thing in my life. Yeah. So I would definitely spend that little money for somebody else to do something for me. And I guess we can wrap it up with this one. What are you、yeah. not very good at? Oh, <laughs> maybe it should be a question for my husband. <laughs> <laughs>、um, okay, I'm definitely not good at physical organization, meaning paperwork, filing. I want to think that I'm very organized in my head. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to physical organization, I'm not good. I'm not good. <laughs> Just not your thing. It's not my thing. Like I mean, I know that it's good to be organized. So when time comes, you can find things easily. But I'm just I'm not good at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We all have weaknesses. Yes, and I'm glad that he's the complete opposite of me. So he's the organized one. <laughs> so there you go. It balances and works for each other. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure he's not happy about it most of the time. We kind of—it's like the yin and yang. We balance, like you said, we balance each other. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah, Wendy, I want to thank you so much for spending your time with us today and for、oh. you know passing on your your lessons, you know your experience to real estate investing. So where can people learn more about you? You know, social、um, media. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. So uh, absolutely. People can follow me on uh, social me- media. Instagram name is Mama Wen underscore rocks. So there um, I, I have a fitness journey that people follow me. So it's kind of goes back to all the mindset thing and um, how if you take good care of, of yourself, you everything else in your life will come into place. Well, yeah. So thank you very much, Wendy. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure. To you. Yeah, it's my pleasure as well. Thank you for inviting me. And I hope in the future um, I can come back again. Yeah, of course. We would love to have you back, Wendy. Thank you, George. Have a good one. <laughs>